Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. Achieving my long-term goals is more about creating healthy habits and less about quick fixes. And that's why I love both intermittent fasting and daily harvest. Tim Spector, a gut health expert and founder of Zoe, and Dr. B, gastroenterologist and author of Fiber Fueled, recommend that you aim for at least 30 unique plant foods per week. Daily Harvest helps make it easy. One of my favorite options is the sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl. With Daily Harvest, I'm getting tons of plant-based options built on organic fruits and vegetables that are easy to prep and free of weird ingredients such as fillers, seed oils, and added sugars. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Daily harvest.com slash is stories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, as well as the book that started it all, Delay Don't Deny. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than denying myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, Who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 224 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Janine Thompson. Janine lives in South Jordan, Utah, where she is a second grade teacher who is now on spring break, which is always very exciting to me. All teachers who are listening know that spring break is one of the most exciting things because you know that the school year is like you can see the end of it right around the corner. Am I right, Janine? Oh, yeah. And we love teaching, but we really love summer. (laughs) We need that break. So welcome, Janine. I'm really glad to talk to you today. Thank you. It's good to be here. It really is. So, you know, I like to start by asking, what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? What brought me to intermittent fasting was a friend of mine, although I thought she was crazy. I had started doing a little bit of Weight Watchers side 
broken my foot and was nervous about gaining weight. Said, I, you go ahead and do that intermittent fasting. I'm not going to because she's, because I thought, no. So I'm not a stranger to fasting. I've done it since I was eight years old for every Sunday, the first Sunday of the month. And so to me, it was that torture time. And so I thought, no way. But I watched her all year long and just shrink and shrink and shrink. And I thought, well, good for her. That is awesome. I'm so excited for her. You know, when you think about doing it one Sunday a month, you're like living the hard day over and over and over again, right? So I can imagine how that would make you feel like that's hard. I don't want to do it. What kind of fasting did y'all do for that day? It's religiously like 24 hours ish, two meals, and it's no food or water. And it's hard because what I know now why it's hard at that time, I just thought that's just the torture you go through, right? And and I know there's reasons for it and there's blessings for it, but it was it was hard nonetheless. And it still is for my family who look at me and say, oh, it's easy for you now. I said, well, well, that's kinda, true. It, it is easy for you yeah. now. Yeah. But you were watching your friend and she was shrinking yeah. and shrinking and you're shrinking. like, okay, tell me more. Then I actually started fasting because of a fast, just Good Friday of 2020. Our whole church, in fact, the whole world was invited to to do this worldwide fast for COVID relief. And so okay. I, I remember did. that. Yeah. I re- Yep. Yeah. So I wanted to join in that. And so I did it. And typically for me, a fast is a Sunday. So it ends on a Sunday. And we choose not to patronize any restaurants on a Sunday. So that's kind of kind of interesting story is that this was on a Friday. So when I finished my fast, I went and got this big old burrito from a restaurant. And I ate the whole thing. And it was giant. And the next day I woke up and I thought, I'm not hungry. I think I'll wait to eat for a little bit. And it dawned on me because my friend, Catherine, who introduced me to fasting, did, did one meal a day. And I thought, well, that's crazy. But then my thought was, I just did one meal. Right. And so maybe I can do this. So I called her up and I said, hey, could I borrow that book? And she let me borrow her the Delay, don't deny, because she told me about it. And I'm like, oh, thanks, no. No gum even? Come on. No gum? <laughs> yeah, it's like, okay, sorry. That's how we made it through Fast Sunday was no, with, with gum. Right. I could still yeah. do the gum. I don't have it anymore, guys. I don't do gum. I borrowed the book and I read it that weekend. And then I started fasting, not on a Monday, not on a Tuesday, like right after I read it. I just started the next day, which I thought was today was the two-year anniversary, which is why I was excited for this date. But it was actually last Thursday. Well, we were close. We were close. <laughs> two years. Last Thursday. Happy two-year festiversary, <laughs> anyway, because yeah. we're recording this in April, even though it comes out in, what did I say, July. It'll come out in July. So so I read yep. the book, and I thought, I think I could do this. I'm pretty, I'm pretty able. Why not? So I jumped in and did it, and then I told my sister about it, but two days later, she read it and started. And so it was been fun, because she and I have done it together the whole time, and we had each other to... To really bounce. How did you feel? How did you feel? How did you feel? Because she wasn't a stranger to the to fasting once a month either. And so she knew that wasn't going to be super easy. So it's been really fun because my really all of my my mom and all of my siblings, all of us have are either concurrently doing it or have and have seen great results from it. So it's been a family adventure for us. I love that. When you first told them about it, were they... They were like, oh, no. And it took them a while to watch you? Or how did that no, go? No, my, my younger sister is the one. She lives near me. And so we've done all this together. And she just said, you know what? I've tried everything else. Why not? And so both of us are kind of, well, I jumped in just with 20. So I'm just going to do, if, if that's what I read about, that's what I'm going to do. 
And I haven't done anything else, really. Maybe 19, 20, pretty much my whole time. She took a little bit. This was before fast feet repeat, so we didn't even know about that quick start. But she kind of naturally did that. She just kind of started a little bit slower. But now she's like this fasting champ who does alternate day. And that doesn't work for me. So everybody, we all found our own path. But my oldest sister had actually told me she'd already been doing kind of fasting. But she never shared it with us because she thought we'd think she was crazy. Probably. And then my mom heard about it. And she goes, I could do that totally. And then another sister of mine too. And then my brother did watch us for a long time, more than a year. And his daughter, incidentally, was also doing it. So he heard about it through us. So he took him a little bit longer, but now he's he's a super faster too. So everybody, it's a family event. <laughs> you know, that that's the best when you have everybody on the in the family on board just today in the in the community somebody was talking about how hard it was last week you know we just had we just went through easter as of what we're recording this and how she had just struggled being with her family and there she called them like a super eating family or something like everything revolved around food it revolved around breakfast lunch and dinner and she said she felt very awkward because everyone was eating and she didn't want them to like make fun of her or give her you know, grief about it. But when your whole family is doing it, it makes all the difference in the world, doesn't it? It does. And, uh, and all of us kind of, interestingly enough, like more of a early afternoon kind of window. So it's worked out well that we could do a little late lunch because every all of us kind of have, have gravitated toward that. So eating, even getting together to have dinners hasn't been an issue because... We all kind of eat the same time. You just synchronize when, <laughs> when it works for all of you. That is the best, you know. I love it. So let's talk a little bit about your life pre-fasting. You know, had you been struggling with your weight? Has it been a long time kind of a thing? I actually was really have not had a big weight struggle in my life until I hit 40. It was like, the day, I'm not kidding, the day. I have four children. And after my third daughter, I was uncomfortably heavy. And I was one of those people who did a low calorie. I logged into this thing called Spark People. I don't know if you knew about that. I remember that. that. Yeah. Yes. I, I wrote down every recipe I ever made and I broke it down so that I would only eat 1,200 calories a day. And I spent more time sitting at the computer putting in that stuff than I did moving, which is kind of interesting. But I was one of those weird ones that I lost all the weight I wanted to and I kept it off after a low-fat diet. I, it worked for me. Until, you said a low fat or low cal? Low cal. It wasn't. Well, okay, it was, it okay. was mostly low fat. Yes, because that's what made low cal, right? Well, that's true. <laughs> yeah, and, and a little bit smaller portion size. And I exercise. I worked out a ton, a ton, and I got to this for one hot second, like one sixteen. How tall are you? One, uh, five three. Probably when I was in high school, and but I I couldn't sustain that. But I could sustain like one twenty five for the rest of for a long time. Then I got into, we had a little hobby farm in Oklahoma and we, we milked our own goats and we tried to grow as much food as we could, but we're not great gardeners. So that didn't work super well, but I made everything from scratch. There was not a processed thing in our home. And I almost gave myself a nervous breakdown because I was so wor worried about and nervous about where our food came from and what we were eating. But I maintained a weight all through that just by eating healthy real food. No, I didn't count anything. I didn't, I got over that point where I had to count it. But then when I hit 40, I just, no matter, I did this, all the same things. And then we moved to Utah. And so between that and moving, I didn't have my little farm anymore. I was exhausted from all of the prep work that I did. So we just kind of went back to not the cleanest diet again, not the worst, but not the cleanest. 
And the weight crept on. And I tried to, that's when I started trying several things. I tried the, I know a couple of your guests have done the Trim Healthy Mama. I did try that for a while, which was also uh, a lot of work. A lot of work. That one is a lot of work. I'm glad I missed that one because I guarantee you I would have tried it because that sounds like the kind of thing I liked. Like I, did you ever do the Suzanne Summers plan? That's very similar to it, apparently. Yeah. It, that, so, yes. Yeah. I had all of those books for Suzanne Summers and I would go back to them and I never lost any weight on it. So I don't know why I kept trying, but it all made so much sense. <laughs> it did. And I when, kept you read, trying it. when you read the books that you get from cover to cover, you go, oh, this feels oh, so yeah. right. You know, my and very Suzanne first, looked so good. <laughs> yeah. My very first thing I ever tried was called Body for Life, where you had to eat one carb and one protein in your meals. And that was my, my very first foray into anything diet when I was probably in my 30s because someone around me was doing it, but that didn't last long. I just learned about me is that I don't want to make food hard and I don't want to make food fake. So when you're trying to make everything low carb or high, whatever, you have to leave out ingredients or add ingredients and it just doesn't taste as good. And I tried to convince myself how delicious everything was, but my family would go, mm-hmm. We have to eat this. So I'd be making separate meals because they wouldn't eat it. And I'm like, oh, come on. It's delicious. Do you remember all that like butter spray we would spray on stuff in the early 90s? Because I was like deep into that that low fat world because it worked for me, but it was garbage. During and I would spray. I can't period. believe it's not butter or whatever. And I'm yeah. like, well, I believe it's not because it's so gross. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Real food has a different mouthfeel, doesn't it? That fake stuff just coats. Like I made a peanut butter pie for Easter, and the recipe I'd always made before, it was in a tea time at the Master's Cookbook, which is big here in Augusta, and it had like Cool Whip in it, and that's how I always made it. But this time, I'm like, I am not making this pie with Cool Whip. So I made it with real cream. I found a different recipe. It was like night and day better. Oh, for sure. Real food. You were in your 40s, and nothing was working. Right. So then I did try, like I said, a little bit of Weight Watchers for a bit. And I can do that for about three months. And then I just can't keep track of it anymore. As I watched my friend kind of shrink and I went, "Hmm, I think I'll try what she's doing. And it just has been the biggest gift because it's so easy. And everyone will say, oh, fasting isn't easy. I said, well, you're right, but it's so simple. You just eat and then you don't eat. And then you eat and then you don't eat. And that's all there is to it. And it doesn't. And yes, I'm pretty careful in what I do eat, but you don't have to be. As I, especially in the beginning. It was for me quite a journey. Kind of the non-scale victory is a more healthy eating. Of course, I've been quite a healthy eater most of my life anyway. Just have little periods when I'm not. But the first when I first started fasting, I rewarded myself for making it 20 hours with a giant cookie. We have a place here called Crumble, which is divine. At least it used to be. I don't know if it is anymore. But it was so good. And that's kind of what I rewarded myself with. Or a handful of peanut M&Ms or something like that because I made it. Consequently, in that whole first year, I only lost about eight pounds. Which I started at 130, 148, 148, I think. 148. Yeah. So I think I, I can't remember if I lost 10 pounds with Weight Watchers or if I was it. I don't remember for sure. But in all, I've lost about 30 five pounds total in the last So by now you've lost 35. I didn't lose a lot of weight because I didn't really care what I ate. But really for me, I think it was okay. I had to learn how to fast. I had to learn that I could. And once I did that, then I started to realize, now what am I eating in my window? 
We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium, and specifically, Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency, and, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories. Promo code IFSTORIES10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash IFSTORIES, promo code IFSTORIES10. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. See, I think that's a very natural process for so many of us. I know you you listen to the podcast, you've heard a lot of people say that. But I want people who are just starting out and just hearing this to really, really sit with that thought for a while. You know, that's why in the in Fast Feast Repeat, in the 28-day fast start, I ask you not to change what you're eating at first because you don't want to try to do too much at once. But, you know, it took you a year to realize, okay. Time to look at what I'm eating, you know, because you had the experience before of eating foods that were higher quality, real foods. You knew that you felt better. And then suddenly with the fasting, you were like, okay, you know, I'm just fasting. Then I'm going to eat what I feel like eating. But then you're like, all right, time to really take a look at that and, and see how it could be, how it could be different. Exactly. So when you, what did you start doing at that point? After that year, I actually did a modified version of Whole30. You know, I'm the kind of personality who said, I'm just going to jump in with 24. And so when I decide I'm going to do something, that's just what I do. And I was just at Walmart walking around. And I said, I think I could go a year without dessert. I think I could do that. And I told my sister, she goes, you go right ahead. I'm not participating in that with you. But I'll support <laughs> go you. Go for it, I sis. know you can do it. <laughs> yeah. But then to do that, I kind of did. How can I do that? How can I just go away from the sugar? And Because I knew that if I didn't eat sugar, I'd replace it with something better. So I did a modified Whole30. Now, if you go into the Facebook groups of Whole30 and tell them that you're going to fast a meal, you can kind of get crucified. So I just kind of sat quietly with it and said, I'm just going to do, I'm going to do Whole30, but I'm only going to eat my one meal or two-ish sometimes meal a day as a Whole30. 
program. Yeah, it's so, so sad that they, they can't accept, like, any of the programs that, like, think fasting is, like, not something that works with, like, for example, intuitive eating. They're like, fasting, boo, and Whole30, fasting, boo. I'm like, stop. <laughs> Open your mind a little bit. We're not competing. It's not like I'm going to do Whole30 or, no, we can we can work together because fasting has health benefits. We don't need to be. Anyway, <laughs> there's my, my soapbox well, rant for just a I, minute. <laughs> I laughed so hard because one person got on there and says, I'm going to Disneyland. And I need to know what foods in Disneyland are Whole30 compliant. And I said, well, here's an idea. How about you don't eat at Disneyland? How about you just (laughs) go the whole day? And I, oh my goodness, I had to withdraw my comment and leave before I got kicked out because that is the most dangerous thing I've ever heard anyone say. What horrible advice for you to give to a person. I'm like, it's just a suggestion. If you're worried about what food there is, how about you just don't eat? Don't eat food. Yeah. You won't die? Because at that point, I was doing some alternate day, alternate day fasting. So I knew it was possible. But it's not apparently mainstream. So I didn't say any more things in the face group. So I just got there to find out what food. But another thing about it was all these rules. You can't do this. But who can tell me what I can and can't do? And who are the police that are going to come tell me? I am the one that's responsible for me and nobody else. Anyway, I did that for the 30 days. And that helped me to kind of kick the, the sugar. And I did not meet my goal 100%. But goals are goals. And I think I can count. I, cause I did go to, I went to Italy. So I had to have gelato when I went to, I traveled a lot then 2021 to make up for 2020 that I didn't get to do. And so while I was away, there's some things you have to have when you're in other countries. So I probably can count though on five fingers how many sweets I had. What we hear from a lot of people is when you take them out, like sugar loses its power over you when you're not having it all the time. There was somebody in the community who said her the way it works for her when she starts finding herself getting too involved with the sugar again, she can't have it two days in a row or something, or then it starts to really like get hold again. And then she's like craving it and overeating it. So if it's an every now and then kind of a thing, it doesn't lead to that same got to have it, got to have it, got to have it behavior. So that's just something to to keep in mind. You had it five times and you were able to have it and then not have it. And it's the same thing with fasting is I can just, I was just in, in Europe this week and I didn't fast yesterday, really. I did the rest of the time just fine, but because I've really learned how to fast on vacation. But yesterday I'm like, I'm not going to. We fly standby. My husband's a pilot and we were upgraded to these awesome premium first class. Oh, that's nice. Where they feed you all day long. And I'm like, I'm just going to enjoy it. Why not? You know what? I do that too. If I'm flying and I don't fly much, but (laughs) I got the taste of first class. (laughs) And I'm like, if I'm going to fly and if it's for work, I'm going to fly first class. And sometimes you're just going to have something. You're like, I'm going to have a glass of champagne because I'm in first class and I can. Right. But it doesn't mean that today is a hard time to fast. Because it's just what I do. I'm like, okay, now I'm back to... And, and even while I'm on vacation, I find that it's not hard. Now, cruises were harder. I've done a couple of cruises, and they're a little little bit harder to fast on. A little bit. But it's there's food every there's food minute. Everywhere. Yeah, and you're like, it's So free. people are always asking for. about that. Yeah, that's right. So now it comes out in July, and it's, it's cruise season, right? A lot of people are probably on vacation. Maybe they're on vacation and not a cruise, maybe a cruise. So... Let's talk about cruise ship strategies because I don't think we've talked about them here for a long time. How do you how do you structure it on a cruise ship? I'm not a breakfast person, never really have been, and for fasting, that's made it really easy for me. I just don't eat. Maybe I might choose one day because sometimes there's a really good breakfast, so I'll choose one day where I allow myself. So on Christmas we went, and I 
fasted, no breakfast. I ate a little, just a little bit time at lunchtime. And then I would eat whatever the big in the dining room type thing. And I did have like a Christmas Eve sweet. And I gained a little bit of weight on that cruise, went away in days. Then the next cruise that I went on, I didn't gain any weight. And I was a little bit stricter with the, I just only ate dinner. I didn't eat the rest of the time because I'd just been on one. So it, what the, the novelty had worn off a little bit for me. You're like, I already ate that. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> when I have cruised, I mean, I haven't cruised since 2019. Also, that was right when I, when we got the, the beach property for the first time. So now I can just go there. So that that's taken away some of the desire to go on a cruise because I can just go where my toothbrush already always is. But when I would cruise before, maybe one day I would go to the brunch. We always cruised Carnival. And so they always have like a sea day brunch. And I would go at maybe 1130 on the sea day brunch. But every other day, I would wait till early afternoon probably to eat. And we liked the later dinner, the late dinner set. The reason I liked the later dinner, this this will make you laugh, Janine, is because I can't stay awake if I eat too early. (laughs) Because I'm an early bird sleeper. I like to go to bed. So if I would go to the early dinner, I would be like, it's 8 p.m. And now I need to go to bed. But if we had the 8 p.m. dinner, then I could like stay up later and enjoy the the cruise rather than going to bed. I didn't want to sleep away the cruise. But when I would go to the main dining room for dinner, I would really be mindful of what am I going to eat that's not going to make me feel overly full? Because I've had that feeling on a cruise. I'm sure you have too, when you feel miserable and overstuffed. So I would, I often would choose the vegetarian option on the dinner menu because it was less likely to fill you up and make you feel so bad. It also was some of the best food because you know how the meat can be like overcooked. The vegetarian option was usually more delicious. And then I would get off the cruise ship and I'd feel good. I did too. But then I also got the meat. Like I got, we tried a little bit of everything. <laughs> not going to lie. I'm not going to say I wouldn't eat the meat. <laughs> I definitely had meat. Like I love to go get the burgers, you know, they had, especially if they had like the guys burgers, they were really good burgers on those ships. But I just found I, I would gravitate towards those vegetarian meals and it, I would feel better, especially that late at night, maybe. So... <laughs> So cruising is a little bit harder because it is, you are confronted with it everywhere. I've enjoyed going to Europe as a faster because when we were in, some of the restaurants didn't make sense. Like when I was in the Netherlands last spring or last summer, I find I don't know what we're supposed to do here. I don't know if we're supposed to go in, if we're supposed to sit on the sidewalk. And so I just went, I'm just not going to eat. It was kind of funny that I would just find a little snack at a, at a cart for lunch, and then maybe we'd find some place to eat. But I found that I've actually lose weight when I go to Europe because I really don't, I don't understand how their time, dinner time works or how their restaurants work. Kind of a little bit funny that way is like, hmm, this is good for a faster because you don't feel pressure to eat. So I love often. it. <laughs> and I also think their food is different. You know, thinking back to Cleanish, which, which it sounds like you've read Cleanish, and, you know, we have a lot more funkiness in our our food chain here, our food supply, than they do in Europe. Like some of the chemicals that are used in the farming process, they don't allow them there. I remember when I watched Michael Pollan's series on Netflix called Cooked, and he had the episode on bread, and it was talking about how so many people in America can't have gluten. It upsets their system. They're not like celiac. They're not. But but then they go to Europe and they can eat the bread there with no problem. So it's not the gluten. It's what we're doing to the wheat here in America. That's the problem. Yeah. So, you know, you're, you're having fewer chemicals, plus you're eating at different times and you're very active. But I've never been to Europe, but I, I want to go and try all that delicious food. That's good. We have some really good food and then some not. So... <laughs> 
We actually found in England, our favorite was just to go to the grocery store because they have all kinds of pre-made little things or, or the bakery's nice and just grab something quick from the grocery store. A lot less expensive and you can kind of tell it's been where it's been made and that it's healthy. So well, that's a good strategy too. So what was the best thing you ate in England? Oh, it was definitely the scone with jam and cl- clotted cream. How is clotted cream different from like whipped cream? Well, I read all about it because I want to know how to make my own. Is rather than whip it like we do in America, we f- we whip it up so it's fluffy. They cook it, so you put it in like the oven for eight hours, kind of like when you're making yogurt. It's it's kind of a similar thing. So all the fat rises to the top, and it's more of a sticky, a little bit more sticky, but it's right between butter and cream. And they don't add any sugar, so it's just the it made it so good, like so creamy and delicious on that scone with the jelly. Mm. It was delicious. So you're going to make that yourself? I have to figure out because apparently it doesn't get imported because it's not very shelf-stable. So we have to make our own. Oh, that makes sense. See, I always wonder that. I'd heard of clotted cream, but I didn't know what it was. But I knew that if it started with cream, it's I was going to like it. And then they make ice cream out of it. And the ice cream is – I did have a bite or two of my daughter's. Oh, was delicious. <laughs> oh, ice cream made out of clotted cream. Oh, yeah, really. It's more custardy type because it's thicker. That really does sound amazing. Tell us about, you said your eating window has been pretty consistent four hours the whole time. I remember the first couple of days, it's 1030 is when I usually would have a snack. I actually started when we let up for school because of COVID. My district, we still were going in. You could go into school to learn how to teach online, learn Canvas. That's just the program that we use. And so I was pretty much at work. A lot of people stayed home, but I went to work every day. Kids weren't there, but the teachers were. Usually, for some reason, at 10.30 or so is when I always wanted to grab a yogurt or something to eat. So about 10.30 to 11 was really hard. But if I pushed through that, I made it till 2. And so that was kind of my first thing. And so I would do about 2 to 6 so that I could eat just a little afternoon snack at school and then come home and have dinner with my family because I still wanted to eat with my family. Then I'm back at school. Our lunchtime's about 12.30. So I'll eat a little something at 12.30 and I come home. And the minute I get home, I just make dinner. And those who want to eat with me, Join me, and those who don't can eat later. But my husband, he likes Absolutely. eating. So what time do you get home? I get home usually about 4, 4.15. And so I just cook. So right now, sometimes it's 12.35 to 5. So it's about four and a half hours just so that I can get everything in. That's my schedule. So that's when I can get it in because I can't necessarily get home and make a, a great meal for us before 4.30. So that's just the way that it's worked out for us. Now on yeah. the weekends. That I'm, is. And with teachers, we got the schedule we got, right? You got <laughs> you got to go with what's your lunchtime. I always ended up with like an 1130 lunchtime for whatever reason. Thankfully, I don't know, but. yeah, I was grateful that we have a little bit later this year. I've always taught kindergarten. This is my first year teaching second grade. So that makes a difference, too, because there's not some snack that we have to eat in the middle. So that kind of is helpful, too. Oh, my gosh, though. How are you liking the second graders? I miss... Being the very first teacher, I miss teaching reading, the, the the beginning, but I really don't miss how tired I always was. I mean, it's, it's exhausting. <laughs> I will tell you, I taught a lot of things over my years, first through fifth grade. I never taught kindergarten. I can remember when, I think you're either a kindergarten teacher or you're not, like they scare you to death. Like, I love first graders. Give me some first graders. But kindergartners, Lordy mercy, when I was doing my student teaching, 
I was assigned to kindergarten. And I like went into a panic and said, I cannot, I cannot. So then they put me in third grade. I'm like, thank God. But (laughs) one summer, the closest I ever got to teaching kindergartners was one summer. I taught summer school and it was kindergartners, but they'd already been to kindergarten. So I'm like, these aren't kindergartners. I can do it. (laughs) So the first day of summer school, because I'd been teaching third grade, I'm like, all right, everybody, it's time to go to lunch. Please line up. Now, you're probably laughing because you can imagine what happened. Yeah, they, they didn't know how right to line away, up. Huh? Mm-hmm. No, they were wandering around. I'm like, what's happening? Why are they not <laughs> lining up? And they'd already been at school for a year. So kindergartners are pretty special people. But second graders are just delightful, aren't they? Are. They are. They love you so much. The first day I got there, I said, why did I wait so long? Why did I wait so long to do this? But I do miss some things about kindergarten. I'll walk by and I go, oh. But then I remember how hard it is and how exhausted I was. And I'm like, I'm okay. I'm okay. Especially at the beginning (laughs) when they don't know how to like sit in a chair. Yeah. Or like I was always in charge of the walkers for for years. Like uh, that was my after school duty. Like the, the I would gather the walkers and I would take them and walk them and escort them to the sidewalk. But I remember the first day of school, I'd like have the kindergartners. You'd be like, all right, are you in kindergarten? And the kid would just look at me. They didn't know if they were in kindergarten or not. I don't know. <laughs> they weren't sure. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. What? What? <laughs> I liked them when they were a little, little more baked. <laughs> Your window now is about five hours. Yeah, four and a half to five. And I've been able to, for maintaining that. So I've been able to maintain, it still fluctuates, of course, as everyone does, three or four pounds. It's usually pretty much just below 120. And I can maintain that with a five hour window. As long as I don't eat too much, I do get some movement. I don't focus a ton on exercising because I move so much. It's worked out really well for me. I I like that window for me. And then when I first started, I I added a lot, little bit more on the weekends. Because I, I thought, I boarded myself with a cookie, and then I would do like six-hour window on the weekends. But as, I, as I've gotten into it, I feel like, fine, I don't need to. I just keep the same schedule every day, and it works fine for me. It's kind of mind-blowing when you realize that six hours feels like a really long time. You know, when you think back to when you were starting, six hours, like, I can't just only eat in six hours. But now <laughs> it feels like, well, I ate for six whole hours. That was a lot of food. That's how it is. That was yesterday. Yeah. Like I just kept uh-huh. eating and eating. Like okay, I don't eat. And any then more you'll food. look back and you're like, "Gosh, I had a ton to eat today." But what was my window? And you're like, "Wait, it was only six hours. It wasn't, <laughs> wasn't as bad as I thought it was." So you're maintaining just below 120 now. I remember you mentioned before that when you were dieting back in the past, you got down to 116, and it was hard to get there and hard to stay there. But now you're just maintaining right there around the 120 mark. Yep. Yep. And that's not even something I really have to think about. And people ask me, okay, so when are you going to stop? That's always, are you still doing that fasting thing? Yeah. But when will you stop? And I said, why would I stop? Because I feel fantastic. It works for me. And I, one of my friends, I love her, but she says to me, I don't understand how you get enough food in your day. But then I look at you and you have plenty of energy. So I think you must get enough food in your day. I said, I think I must. I think I'm okay. So the people who wonder, they I don't know, they're concerned that I'm never going to stop. Like, I haven't wasted away to nothing. I feel great. I look great. And it's it's okay. It really is okay. And I think that you just hit on, your, with your friend's comment, the misconception about where the energy comes from. And we have been 
always taught, and especially teachers were like, you got to eat a good breakfast to have the energy to learn and the energy to teach. And then you realize, and of course, I'm not you know, generalizing to children here saying you should put your children on a fast. I'm not. But we realize that we have better energy in the fasted state than we do when we're eating. I like to use the analogy or the, the comparison of lions after they feast. You know, lions take down the big prey, and then they eat, and then they're not full of energy after they eat. The lions lay down, they nap, they sleep, and that's how we feel if we eat a big meal, too. So we don't need to have that constant influx of energy coming into our bodies to give us the energy. We've got plenty of energy from within. For sure. Sure, to to be able to, you know that when you can go out, get up first thing in the morning and go for a hike and not eat till you get back. And I have plenty of energy to hike. I didn't need to bring my snacks on my hike because it just comes from within. And, and we don't trust that. might have actually made it harder for you to hike. It might have. <laughs> yeah. Like, I can't imagine even trying to do something that required endurance after having a meal now. Yeah. Now, I don't notice as much. Like, I don't feel like if I eat dinner, I'm tired. Mine is, I feel like it's a whole 24-hour period. And there's times when I'm a little bit tired and there's times when I'm not. I've heard a lot of you and, and your guests say, oh, after I eat, I'm tired. I don't experience that so much. That's what, which is why an afternoon window works for me. Because at four, when I eat at 4.35, I'm not tired the rest of the night. Then I go get my second wind and I go and do things. So You're fine. You yeah, feel everyone's, good. I, and I just think that's what I've learned so much about intermittent fasting too, is everyone's so different. And so to put one, you have to on any person. It's really a hindrance in this world to try to, to say you have to do this. And you, once again, it's like I didn't like diets to tell me you can't eat that or that's a get off the plan. I can do whatever I want to because right? I trust me. <laughs> there are no diet police. Mm-hmm. There are none. Absolutely. Yeah. So you talked about reading Cleanish. Did you change anything in your life after reading Cleanish? Oh, I actually know you wrote Cleanish, but I have not actually read it yet. Oh, oh, I thought you'd read it. Okay, because you mentioned it. I've heard you talk about it, and I understand the premise, the idea it. of it. Yeah. So you're probably living pretty cleanish already with your food. I've heard you on a podcast talking about it a little bit about the the way you cut out for cleaners and that kind of thing. So we've we haven't used any kind of cleaner for years and years and years, just like Norwex cloths or essential oil cleaners and stuff like that. So as far as that goes, we've been always pretty clean. It's just, it's convenience. Sometimes it's just really easy to grab something convenient. That's a lifelong struggle, but I don't let it control me anymore so much that I'm going to have a nervous breakdown over what I put in my mouth. And I did for a long time. I was so nervous and so worried that if I didn't sprout my wheat before I made my bread, I'm going to cause a problem. And I mean, I did, I did it all. And I finally realized there has to be, there just have to have balance in your life. So yeah, I, I totally get that. So there's still things I'm changing and things I go back and forth and back and forth. There's always still things to change and things that we can do better about what we use to clean our house and what we eat. And one of the reasons why I, my big push to try not to eat so much sugar anymore. Still working on the diet sodas. I go off those for a long time and then I'll have a one. And that's one where like once you do it once, it sends me down down a rabbit hole. <laughs> they really are addictive. You know, people like I remember when I used to drink Diet Coke. It's been a long, long time since I've had a Diet Coke. Good and, for you. Um, 
well, I don't like the taste of it anymore, but I remember when I did. See, that was the thing. And you crave that, whatever it is. Then after it's been long enough, you're just like, you don't like it. Like when we were at Easter, I put the whipped cream on before I brought the pies. And then they looked, they all deflated. And I'm like, huh, because I'd never done that before, but I thought it would be easier and it looked terrible. And I'm like, well, and my sister was like, if you'd have Googled it, you'd have known it. I'm like, well, sorry. So then my dad was like, we've got some whipped cream in the fridge. You want to use that? I'm like, yeah. So I pull it out and it was like sugar-free, but it had like all the artificial sweeteners. So then I'm like, you know what? I think we're just going to eat it like it is <laughs> with the funny looking whipped cream that looks all deflated because I just, I don't like it anymore. So that, that's like, there's very few things I will not consume, but that's one of them because I don't like it. But I get that because I remember when I loved it, it called my name. I wanted that Diet Coke flavor, whatever that burn is. That's yeah. probably, <laughs> so sure. I feel your pain there. I understand <laughs> it because it really, it does have that cravingness to it. If I don't do it for a while, it doesn't, once again, it doesn't have an effect. But once you let it in, then, oh, now it's back again. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned that you did great with the whole 30 eating. You did that for 30. You only did it for 30 days. Did you learn anything about like what foods do and don't work for your body during that time? I learned that I'm not particularly sensitive to much. I added back dairy very slowly. Actually, when I added back in bread, I did sourdough because I do have a sourdough store. So I started with only sourdough. And so I did add things back very slowly and I didn't notice a huge difference. I didn't like my skin was still fine. I didn't have a lot of bloating, but the dairy, I just realized what I realized is I, how much I eat, how much I do consume of dairy. And so it was an eye opening thing to say, okay, now do I have to have cheese on every single meal? Do I have to have, because once again, when you eat carbs, they're not, I don't have a problem with it. I don't have a problem with eating dairy, but when I only eat those, am I getting fruits and vegetables? And that's one thing I notice is when you are fasting, you have to consciously say, my meal needs to include the nutrients that I need. Those other things, I don't think they're bad. But if they're, I'm eating those in place of fruits and vegetables, then I don't think that that's the best thing for my body because I'm not going to be giving it what's going to help it thrive and be, the, be its very best. I agree with that. And, you know, sometimes people will ask, you know, if you're fasting, are you getting enough nutrients because you're not eating all those meals? And, you know, I always say, for me, I get a lot more nutrients now in my eating window than I used to when I was eating all day long because of the choices that I'm making. You know, I was not choosing any nutrients during my, I was going to drive through fast food breakfast, and then I was having packaged snacks, and then I was having my latte, and then I was having, you know, maybe there was tomato sauce on the frozen meal that I I brought from home to have for lunch, right? You know what those, do y'all have to eat with your kids or do you get to eat with the teachers? We just eat with the teachers. No, we don't have to eat with the kids. Okay. But you yeah, know but what, what that looks like. Frozen meals, I can smell them as I walk down the hall because all the teachers are cooking them. Red peppers. So you know you got red peppers because every single one of those has that. So you, I know you got that. Tomato sauce, red peppers. <laughs> that was it. That was all yep. of it. <laughs> Maybe some parsley on the, like I would get like a beef stroganoff or something, but it was very much like just some kind of carbs, some kind of protein, maybe a little bit of a sauce, and that was it. So I certainly was not getting very much nutrition, even though I was eating. I was getting a lot of energy, but not. I was taking in the energy, but I wasn't taking in nutrients. So if we just prioritize nutrients in our eating window, it, we're getting everything we need and more than we might with the all-day eating pattern. No one was concerned about my nutrients when I was 210 pounds and <laughs> eating garbage all day long. <laughs> That is interesting because I have had a few people say to me, oh, you've lost too much weight, but nobody. And then if I'll show them a picture of what I look like before, I don't remember that. 
because I really don't think people do notice that. You know, we notice it ourselves, but like, I don't remember you looking like that. I don't remember you. I said, well, I do. And that is why I'm casting because <laughs> I did not like how that person felt at all. The farther you get away from it, the harder you'll look at those pictures of you from, you know, now two years ago. For me, what, what seven, eight years ago. And I'm just like, I'm like, I can't believe I, I went through the day feeling that bad in my body. And I just want to go give that girl a hug. <laughs> For sure. Now, is there anything that you'd struggle with? I probably still just making sure that what I eat is the best thing to, for me to be eating because the cravings, I've never, I don't think gotten to that appetite correction that I know was so, so big when I first started this. I still have to choose and that it's a daily choice of what it is that I'm going to eat because pizza still tastes great to me. Nachos still taste great to me. I do still love pizza. I'm just a little more choosy about the pizza. Last night we went out and had Mexican food and I had cheese dip, cheese dip and tortilla yeah. chips. Yeah, I love it. I, I love ate it. All of that. And I do just love something as easy as, and, and it's just easy to grab stuff. I've never been a big fast food person and I'm still not. So that hasn't been an issue of trying to overcome that. But I do like to go out. What's still hard for me is just to make sure that what I'm eating is the best possible thing. And to realize I I still have to choose to have fruits and vegetables over cheese dip and che- tortilla chips because both of them yeah. will fill me but up. The rest of my meal was good. Yeah. The, the rest of the meal, like I ordered, I ordered some corn, you know, like fresh corn that they had there, like the Mexican street corn. And I ordered pin, a side of pinto beans. And my husband likes to get chicken fajitas. Chad likes that. But when I go to a Mexican restaurant, I just eat the veggies out of it. Like I pick the veggies out of the fajitas. He gets all the chicken and I'm just eating all the <laughs> the veggies in there. So there were chips and there was the cheese dip. But thank goodness Will was there with us because he ate half of the cheese dip. Otherwise, I eat all the cheese dip because Chad I would. Because like I do. I like the dairy. I like the cheese. <laughs> Me too. I love the dairy on the, the chips. But again, like today I'm a little puffy and it's it's the oils. That's like the thing that I really have to watch is the seed oils that when they fry things in restaurants that it just doesn't make me feel the best and it makes me puffy. And I know that. But it's, you know, I'm cleanish and I don't buy those oils and cook with them at home. And I prioritize foods that are not made with a, a ton of those seed oils. And again, that was just something I've realized over time. I feel better when I don't have a lot of them. Yeah, so that's something I can think I can struggle with. I really think fasting has been easy, and I adapted to it very easily, and I love it. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So have you had any positive health changes? I was trying to think about this because I know you asked this question. And I have always been in really good health. At the age that I'm at, which is 14, I don't remember, seven or eight. You gotta think. <laughs> I'm not 50 yet. I don't suffer from some of those premenopausal things, which is one of the reasons I started fasting is I did not want to gain a bunch of weight while I was menopause. I feel like my mood is very even, but I will tell my one non-scale victory that I thought was just phenomenal. I hurt my shoulder somehow. I don't even know. I was picking apples and the next day I woke up and I could not move my shoulder. It hurt, it hurt to do anything. And I said, I'm going to try out this fasting. I'm going to fast for 40 hours. I had done a couple. It wasn't like the first time I'd ever done one. So I, I'm going to try this and see if that autophagy stuff is real. So I fasted. I, did a, I didn't eat all day Monday. did a 40-hour fast. And by the next day, I could reach behind my back. And I didn't really take any medicine. Like, I'm not a big medicine person. I did go to the chiropractor, and he did do a little bit of work with it. And then I ate, had an update, and then I said, I'm going to do it one more time. I did it one more time, and I never had any shoulder pain again. That was just one where I went. There could be no other other explanation, because he told me, the chiropractor said it'd be at least a week before I could move my arm again. I said, well, I'm just going to try this fasting thing. It was when I realized this is really, for me, it really does help with inflammation. And and then also not having all that sugar made my, my joints and everything. I feel... I feel like, I don't know how to say it. I feel like I can just move. And I don't know yeah, that I would too. feel like, that I can way. sit however I want to sit. I can do whatever I want to do. But, you know, talking about the fasting for healing, that's huge. You know, we have three cats. And then our son, Will, is living with us right now with his cat, who's here, Pepper. And Pepper is young and gets into stuff and <laughs> tr- gets into trouble outside. But he came in and he had been injured. I think another cat in the neighborhood, they had a fight or something. But we didn't really know what was wrong with him. But he wasn't feeling well. And do you know, he refused food. This cat, who is always the first one in the morning showing up, wanting to eat all the cat food that I'm giving them and trying to eat everybody else's, he didn't feel well. He did not eat. He, like, fasted his way through his illness. And he had, like, a little infection and and didn't feel good. And so, you know, animals know to do it. And so that, you know, the, the story that you told about your shoulder, it just makes sense, doesn't it? It does. When we're sick, sometimes the first thing we want to do is grab food. But I wonder if maybe what we should be doing is abstaining from it and if we'll find that we are better. And I have to say, I have not been sick in two years. Not once. I have not had a cold. I have not had, I have nothing in two years. And I know that there are people who fast that do get sick. So I don't know that that, I'm going to say that so much about, but for me personally, something about the fasting has helped my immune system for sure. Well, it's definitely helped mine. I mean, I I do get sick every now and then, but it's so much different from my pre-IF sicknesses. Like if I, like I had a cold maybe like a week or so ago. And in the past, when I would get a cold, and this wasn't allergies, it was a cold because I could feel it differently in my sinuses. And so my sinuses were hurting and, and aching a little bit. And in the past, whenever I would have that feeling, it always turned into an infection. I would have an ear infection. My sinuses would be infected. I would need to take an antibiotic. Like all the time, it happened at least once or twice a year where that would happen to me. 
This time, though, I just kept fasting. I maybe fasted a little longer during the day. I still ate every day, but I, I fasted a little bit longer. And by day three, I was better. And, it, and then it was gone. And so I haven't had to go to the doctor for an antibiotic. And you know, being a teacher, we would catch everything, right? If the kids were having it, I would get it. <laughs> <laughs> Amazingly, I have not. And I've had plenty of kids around me that have had COVID or the stomach bug or whatever. And I'm just like, well, I made it through it somehow. So I, but that's what I did. I, I did have COVID. I, <laughs> I went through COVID and it really was, you know, I had a fever and that was it. The weirdest part was losing the sense of taste and smell. So, but but it, it came back. I just, I didn't eat much while I had it because I didn't really feel like eating very much. I just listened to my body and I mostly fasted and I tried to eat a little bit, you know, if I felt like I needed it at night. And, but then, and it was over, you know, no lingering. I really do think that the fasting helped with, with the recovery. Well, that's a blessing. Yeah, I'm glad that that's all it, it is was. a blessing. It is a blessing because it, it was very unusual because you hear, you know, of course, we we worry. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm just I'm just going to keep my eye on it. And thank goodness it, it worked out well. But I, I really do feel like my immune system is strong just from all the, the colds that I haven't gotten over the years, like you said. So so do you, are there any teachers that are fasting after watching your the school that I was, I, I just came to a new school this year. So the schools I was at previously, there were probably five or six of us, really. It was kind of a, oh, you're doing that? I am too. The school I'm at currently, I have, I don't know. I don't think so. That I've, I've talked to it a little bit with the teacher across the hall and she's trying to work with her doctor about whether or not she, she can do that. But she, she has tried it a little bit and the other ones kind of just go. Good for you. <laughs> There's that new weirdo, Janine, doing her fasting. <laughs> but I mean, I don't know everybody super well to where right. they, and, and I don't actually eat. I mean, no one would know that that's what I'm doing. And they didn't know me before to know that I had lost weight and to, to be able to say Oh, that, that's a so. very good point. Very good point, because you're right. You know, I had been at the same school when I, when I retired in 2018. I had been at that school since it opened in 2005. So I came to that school. It had just opened. I was new to the county, but some of the people had come from other schools and knew each other. But it was a brand new school. So a lot of us were just getting to know each other. And so they got to watch me struggle with my weight through the hardest years ever, because I came in at 05 and immediately was gaining weight. I gained 50 pounds in the first year and a half of being at that school. And so then I was always the Jen who was on a weird diet. That was always me. That's how they knew me. And so by the time I lost the weight in 14 to 15 and then maintained it until I retired, it was always like the people who had known me all along were the ones who were most interested in hearing about fasting. But the people who came in after 2015, before I retired, they they couldn't believe that I had been overweight because they'd never known me that way. So that's that's like you. They're like, yeah, well, you know, I can't do it. You could do it. But you're like, you didn't know me before. Right, right. It you really makes a huge before. difference. So, Yeah. Well, it's easy for you, Janine. You've always been thin. And you're like, no, I have well, not. That's what, that's, I do hear that, though, even from my, my kids, even from my husband. Well, it's easy for you. Well, it's easy for me now, but it wasn't always easy for me. And it just... Yeah, it's easy for me now. <laughs> I won't say it always has and I been. want to circle back. Something you said early on in the conversation, you said it's not always easy, but it's simple. And I wrote that down and it really like stuck in my head because every minute of every day as an intermittent faster is not just easy street. You know, sometimes even I, I'd be like, gosh, it's 10 o'clock. I, 
I can't eat right now because I won't feel good if I do. But man, that whatever it is that Will's making that toast in there sure smells good. I would enjoy that if I had it. So even now, there's still a little bit of a struggle. But I always am like, well, I won't feel good if I eat that. So I'm not going to eat it. I'll feel better later if I don't. But it's still easier than what it used to be before. Even in the moments of fasting that are struggle, it's so much less of a struggle than how I lived every single day before fasting. So the contrast is huge. I agree. And I was thinking even easier that I don't have to figure out which foods I can put together. How many points is that? How many calories is that? That is hard. It is hard. It is hard. And what was hard for me was making foods that if I did you know, keto for the week or trying to figure out a recipe that would be something that would be delicious. How much time I spent in the kitchen cooking, trying to figure out something. It's just, that was hard. Going without some food is inconvenient sometimes. And some days, sometimes I'm hungry and it's hard, but it's, it's hard for this long, just a few seconds. And if I go, when I was last year, I, I, I taught online. I chose to be at home and teach online kindergarten. Oh my Lord. It was really fun. And everyone's like, how do you teach all their kindergarten? My question to you is, have you met a kindergartner? They can do it. They can do it. So when I finished my live classes, I just get up and go for a walk. And that was what I did. I had to do it every day to push through because I was at home where all the food was. And so that was a little bit of a challenge. But I learned that if I would just get up and go for a walk, that I would... 10 minutes later, everything will be fine. Yeah, it pushes you past that wave of hunger. You ride the wave and then you're doing it and then you're fine. Exactly. And then and I it usually, doesn't just get worse and worse. Yeah, and usually, in fact, I would probably go longer than I would have had I not been hungry because I'm like, I'm still not hungry. And just learning about me that food doesn't have control over me, that I am stronger than I think I am. And like I said, sometimes it's hard. There are hard moments, but it's the simplest thing I've ever done. You eat then you don't eat, then you eat, then you don't eat. So we are almost out of time. What would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting? Or what do you wish you knew when you first started? I would tell people to keep it simple. We try to complicate things because diets are complicated. We talk to friends and say, what's your window? How long do you do it? Do you think I'd be successful if? The only way you'll know is to try it. And if you are not losing weight when you have a four-hour window, then look at what you're eating. And if you're eating fit and you're eating well and that's not working for you, then maybe you need to try alternate day. Or if that, if you hate, like for me, alternate day didn't make any difference. So why torture myself? I'm not doing that. But just you have to be willing to recognize that it's not a, a sprint. And if in this year you don't weigh more than you did last year, you were successful. And if this year you weigh two pounds less than you did last year, rather than two pounds more, you were successful. And not try to look at other people and say, well, look what happened to her. You have, it all has to be about me. It has to be an individual journey and willing to find out what works for me. Luckily for me, what you did, you're 24, worked for me. That was great. I didn't have to retweak that. You didn't have to do crazy tweaking. It just worked. And that's the thing. And, you know, someone that that isn't their magical strategy could be like mad about it. Or you could say, well, okay, I'm not going to be mad about it. I accept this is my body. And maybe you've been insulin resistant for a long time. Maybe your body needs more time. To get insulin down, you might need something else. But, in you know, you have to just say, okay, it is what it is. What can I do about it? Yep. But with that 24, I could have been frustrated that in a year I lost eight pounds. I was elated that I lost eight pounds, but I realized I could do better. And for me, intuitively, it wasn't changing the window. It was let me change what I'm eating. 
And that's when I really started. So my advice to everyone is first, get down what intermittent fasting is. Find that you can do it and be successful at it. And once you feel successful at it, then work on what you eat. Trying to and do all of it at once. you were still eating foods that were delicious. You never stopped eating delicious food. You didn't ever say, now I have to go on a diet. It was like, I just need to eat different foods that are still going to be delicious. And I still don't have to count them. And I still don't have to combine them in a weird way. I just know that I know. we I, People always do. And people always know. You knew. And you just made a few changes and you still enjoyed it. Yep. For sure. Well, Janine, thank you so much for being here today and telling your story. Thank you for having me. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast. For more than two centuries, the White House has been the stage for some of the most dramatic scenes in American history. Inspired by the hit podcast, American History Tellers, Wondery and William Morrow present the new book, The Hidden History of the White House. Each chapter will bring you inside the fierce power struggles, the world-altering decisions, and shocking scandals that have shaped our nation. You'll be there when the very foundations of the White House are laid in 1792, and you'll watch as the British burn it down in 1814. Then you'll hear the intimate conversations between FDR and Winston Churchill as they make plans to defeat Nazi forces in 1941. And you'll be in the Situation Room when President Barack Obama approves the raid to bring down the most infamous terrorist in American history. Pre-order The Hidden History of the White House now in hardcover or digital editions wherever you get your books.